Amen. Our thanks to the choir for that anthem. As we prepare for our scripture lesson this morning, we will be looking at uh, one of the early passages in the gospel according to Luke. As we come into Advent, we are heading towards uh, the, the stories that we know and love so well, uh, the birth of Christ. But there's so much that happens in the gospels even before that. And so today we'll be reading one of those stories from the first chapter of Luke. Uh, but before we go to God's word, let's first take a moment to go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the joy of this season. We give you thanks for the excitement of this time. And as we turn our attention to the scriptures today, we ask that your spirit would be with us wherever we are. We ask that you would melt away the cares or concerns of the days and weeks behind us and the anxiety about the days ahead and that we might, in this moment, Focus our attention on you. We ask that your spirit work in us and among us and through us. That you would illumine our our eyes and our minds. That we might come to know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Listen to the word of God. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as a priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now, at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. No, Lord, as we focus now on your word, we ask that you would 
bless our minds, bless our hearts, bless our lives, that we might understand, that we might come to know who you are and who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Zechariah received a very strange gift. He received the gift of, of silence. And this gift, it, it set him free in a strange way. In fact, as we read about this gift given to Zechariah, I think it has something to teach us about what will happen to us in the next few weeks. But first, let's Let's meet Zechariah. When, when he uh, appears in this passage, this is, this is one of the, the first verses in the first chapter of Luke. So we don't know who he is yet. Luke hasn't had time to introduce any characters to us. Zechariah comes almost out of nowhere, but right away we, we recognize his name. As Zechariah shares his name with one of the great Old Testament prophets. Uh, the name of a man who, who, who was a man of faith, a man of, of vision, a man of proclamation. And you could, you could apply that description to Zechariah as well. A man of faith, of vision, of proclamation. But as we, as we look at, at, Isaiah's, or at Zechariah's story, we find uh, Luke tells us a little more about him pretty quickly. Luke tells us that uh, he was a priest. And uh, that he, he came from a long line uh, of priests. And that uh, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth together, they, they followed all the commands and regulations of the Lord. Which means they, they had to know the regulations and commands of the Lord. And they had to, to go through the schooling to serve as, as a priest. So uh, Zechariah we find is a man of great, of great education. He's someone that's devoted himself to learning his faith. And I think uh, as, we, as we read more about Zechariah, as we look at uh, Zechariah as a man of education, there's, there's something about him that just feels, just feels kind of comfortable. In fact, I think uh, Zechariah would, would probably fit in pretty well here in our church. I think Zechariah would blend in perfectly here at Swickley Presbyterian Church. After all, uh, as someone who is highly educated and who focuses on education, uh, that's, that's something we can say about our church as well. We're a church that, that takes education very seriously. I don't, I don't only mean in the sense of uh, formal education or degrees. Although I have to tell you, from time to time, it, it is a bit intimidating to wonder uh, what collection of degrees we have amassed as we gather for worship. Uh, we are a very educated congregation, but our, our, our love of education is deeper than, uh, than, than degrees or papers. I mean, our love of education, it's, it's, just, it's part of who we are. This is why we spend so much time uh, on, on educational events, on our education hour every Sunday, on having Bible studies and small groups. This is why we, why we eat soup every Wednesday in Lent and why we bring speakers from around the country. We, we love education. In the truest sense, we love to learn about our faith. We love to, to get to know all the ins and outs, the commandments and regulations, all the things that, that make us who we are. We love to learn. And it's not, just our, it's not just our congregation, although I think we are uniquely dedicated to education, but it's our denomination as a whole. You may not know this about Presbyterians, but Presbyterians are extremely strict about education. As Presbyterians, we, we insist that before anyone gets ordained, they have to get a master's degree first. 
We really want to make sure that, that everyone who, who stands in a pulpit, who, who uh, preaches at a church, has received thorough education. And so uh, as we find Zechariah, someone dedicated to education, I, I think he would feel right at home here. I think Zechariah would find he has a, a lot of interest in common with our church. But he's not just a man of, of education. Luke continues. As we read the rest of the story, we find that uh, at the end of this passage, we find that the people are waiting for Zechariah to come and pronounce a blessing. And we discover that uh, Zechariah, not only is he a man of faith, a man of education, he's also the kind of person who knows how to put his faith into words, which is harder than it may sound at first. But uh, Zechariah seems to be the kind of person who knows how to speak his faith. He knows how to express what he believes. He knows how to, he knows how to put his words together. And again, uh, we as a church, we take words very seriously. Again, the, the Presbyterian church insists on anyone who gets ordained first has to pass a, an exam in biblical languages. We want to make sure that the people who preach understand the words of Scripture. The, the words, whether in Greek or in Hebrew, and, and how to interpret them. We, we want to make sure that the people who preach know the word of God. And then, when we ordain them, we call them, uh, not, not pastors, but ministers of word and sacrament. That's their official title. Minister of word. As Presbyterians, we take words very seriously. So again, we find a place where Zechariah might might be right at home in our church. There's something that just feels very, very familiar, very comfortable about Zechariah, dedicated as he is to, to education and to words. A man who knows how to, how to speak his faith. But then, we read the rest of the story, and something very strange happens to Zechariah. He's, uh, he's come to, to worship with the rest of the community. He's uh, gathered in public worship. And in this experience of public worship, in the presence of his community, he encounters God. That alone is a full sermon's worth, but we'll set that aside for today. And Zechariah, gathering together with the people, he's uh, chosen to, to make one of the offerings. And it's a great honor for Zechariah. So he goes into the other room and he begins to make this offering when... He encounters God in a brand new way. He comes face to face with a messenger of good news. Usually when we preach this story or read this story or teach this story, we, we focus on the content of that good news, on what the message itself is. But there's a lot more to this story than the content of the message. Let's, let's set that aside too. Let's not worry about the message itself. Let's look at how Zechariah, uh, how he responds to this message. The angel gives Zechariah such good news, it's, it's overwhelming to him. It's such good news, he can't believe it. And I don't mean that figuratively. And what we find in the passage is that Zechariah literally cannot believe what the angel says. And he responds to Gabriel. He says, how is this even possible? And how will I know that this is more than wishful thinking? And that's when Gabriel responds and explains to Zechariah that the sign for him will be that he's going to lose his speech. Now, this is a big deal for Zechariah, right? for someone as focused on education as he is, for someone who prides himself on being able to give voice to his faith, uh, putting his faith into words. Uh, for Zechariah to lose his speech, this is, this is quite a loss. And he, 
he turns to go back to the community that is gathered. Meanwhile, the people who are waiting for Zechariah, they've been waiting for him to come back. Usually the, the priest goes and makes the offering and turns around and returns, but they waited and he didn't come back. And they waited and he didn't come back. And they waited and he didn't come back. And the people are edging closer to the edge of their seats because they're waiting for a blessing. Now this is the same thing we do in our worship. Anytime we finish our worship services, whoever preached proclaims a blessing. This is a pronouncement of the good news. Uh, Whoever preaches speaks the good news to the people who are gathered. And everyone was waiting for Zechariah to do the same. But the longer they waited, they began to realize something was wrong. Something must have happened to him as he made that offering. And when they see Zechariah return and they watch, they edge even closer to the edge of their seats, waiting not only for the blessing, but to hear what happened as he made that offering. They want to hear his story. They want to hear the news. And they lean in to hear what Zechariah says. And that's where our passage ends. The people waiting for Zechariah and wondering at his delay. But it's not the end of the story. Uh, the next few verses tell us what exactly happened. and You can read them for yourselves. I, I encourage you to go home to read the rest of Zechariah's story from Luke chapter 1. And what happens next is Zechariah comes before the people and he, who was to speak good news, had encountered good news he could not speak. And Zechariah found at that moment he, his words, maybe for the first time in his life, his words hit a wall. He came to the limitation of his language. His phrases failed. His speech stopped short. And the, the actual word the angel uses to describe what happens uh, to, to Zechariah, this is the same word that Jesus uses when he tells the storm to quiet down and be still. There's a, there's a peace in this quiet. It's, a, it's, it's an ordered silence. It's a commanded quiet. And sometimes biblical scholars, they look at this and they, they refer to what happened to Zechariah in this moment as what they call a, a punitive miracle. Isn't that a fabulous phrase? It is, it is a miracle that punishes Zechariah for his doubt, but there's, I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more to what happens here than than mere punishment because uh, Luke tries to describe what Zechariah does next. And Luke has trouble with his own words. As he describes what Zechariah does in that silent moment, Luke uses a word that doesn't occur anywhere else in Scripture, not, not in this form. Luke tells us that what Zechariah did next was he began to beckon or motion or sign, or signal, or wink, or nod, or gesture. Luke tells us that Zechariah at that moment began to move. And he began not to speak his story, not to speak the good news, not to speak his faith, but to enact his faith, to embody his faith, to live his faith. And this silence at that moment, it set Zechariah free from the limitations of his language. It sets him free from the walls of his words. It sets him free from the failure of his phrases. And it sets Zechariah free to enact and embody his faith. To live this good news. To live this story for the people around him. To use not not just his words, but his his hands and his arms and his, his face and his head and every fiber of his being to try and communicate this good news that is beyond what his language can speak. And this... 
This is exactly why Zechariah is the perfect story for the beginning of Advent. Because over the next several weeks, the exact same thing will happen to each of us. And as we celebrate Advent, as we get ready for the coming of Christ, we are not celebrating only the birth of Christ so many years ago. We are celebrating the arrival of Christ in our lives right now. We are celebrating the arrival of Christ in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our church, in our hobbies, in our lives today. And that good news, that news that that Christ has come to be with us, God with us, that, that God himself has chosen to become human, to die for us, to rise for us, and to return to be with us, that good news is so good, our language doesn't do enough. Our our words will hit a wall. We, we hit the limitation of our language. Our phrases begin to fail. Our speech stops short. And over the next few weeks, as we try to celebrate this good news of the gospel, we're going to have to do more than speak it. We're going to have to enact it. And luckily, over the centuries, we've found some ways to do that because over the next several weeks, we are going to embody our faith with, with candles and with cards, and with carols, and with cookies. We are going to embody our faith with presents and with pageants. We are going to embody our faith with hugs, and with hosting, and with traveling, and with visiting. We are going to embody our faith with, with phone calls, and with songs, and with dance. We are going to use our, we're going to use our faces, we're going to use our eyes, we're going to use our hands, we're going to use our bodies, we're going to use our wallets, we're going to use our cards, we're going to use our recipes. We're going to use everything we have to express our faith. We will be set free from the limits of our language and from the shackles of our speech and from the walls of our words and we are going to embody our faith over the next several weeks we are going to do everything we can to give thanks that God has chosen to love us and be with us and die for us and rise for us and come to us over the next few weeks we are going to experience the same thing Zechariah found in this passage our words will fail And so we are going to do anything we can to embody our faith and give thanks. I think as we read this story of Zechariah, I think he would feel right at home here. I think he's he's someone who values education. He's someone who takes words very seriously. But he's also someone who knows what what it takes to embody our faith. He knows what it takes to find ways to give thanks when our words fall short. As we prepare for Advent this year, there's no better story than that of Zechariah. Because we too are challenged to live our faith in any way we can. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you for the story of Zechariah. We thank you for the the gift of silence and the ways you set us free from even our speech. We ask that you would be with us in the days and weeks ahead, that we might embody our faith and give thanks to you through all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And during our uh, sermon hymn now, I